please have that text open in front of you, and in particular 1 Peter 1 and verses 18 and 19, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ. And really that's the theme of our considerations this morning, the precious blood of Christ. Now, believers are to make their home in the rock, the Lord Jesus, to find safety, and we should run to Christ ever, always. But what does it mean to shelter in the Lord Jesus, our rock of salvation? Why is it important? What is the emphasis here that we find on this this blood? Why is it so vital? Why is it precious? And we need to consider these things this morning. And the first thing I want you to see is this, the centrality of the blood of Christ. You know, if something is precious, it is valuable. And you'll find that as you go through the Word of God, there are many things which the Bible says are precious. In fact, the word is used 75 times. And so the Bible speaks of human life being precious. It speaks of the blood and death of the Lord's people as precious. You know, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Scriptures speak of the redemption of the soul being precious. Psalm 49, the redemption of their souls is costly, literally precious. Proverbs says that wisdom is more precious than rubies. Psalm 139 says that thoughts and loving kindnesses of God are are precious. You know, throughout the Old Testament, then into the New, Peter speaks of faith and trust in the promises of God as precious. So many references. But most of all, the Bible speaks of Jesus as precious. He is precious in his sympathy, precious to those who believe, precious as the cornerstone of our salvation, and precious in the shedding of his blood. Nothing is more precious than the blood of Jesus Christ. And the the blood is central to the word of God. The Bible speaks of blood 450 times and and blood is precious. It is essential to life. You know, we may have outstanding bodies, but if they are drained of blood, we die. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And spiritually, the blood of Jesus Christ received by faith gives us spiritual life. Hebrews 9 says that God cannot be approached without blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so you have this key message of the word of God to lose that, to take that away, to modify that, is to lose the gospel. You know, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God shed blood to clothe them and cover their nakedness in Genesis 3. In Genesis 4, God was pleased with the sacrifice of Abel because it involved the shedding of blood. There can be no approach to God, no fellowship with him by faith, no enjoyment of his favor apart from blood. You know, you go through, when Noah was released from the ark, the first thing he did was to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving to God, the shedding of blood. When God established a a covenant relationship with Abraham, animals were sacrificed and they were laid in two paths and God himself went between them, the sealing of the covenant in blood. And you know, it goes on, you can trace it all the way through. Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac, they go up to Mount Moriah to offer a sacrifice. It appears that Isaac is initially the offering, but God in his purposes will provide a substitute 
and the blood of Iran was shed instead. A, a wonderful picture of what the Lord Jesus would come to do as the perfect substitute who would shed his own blood in the place of his people. You know, we read, didn't we, those verses in Exodus. God commands the Israelites to sprinkle their door frames with the blood of the Lamb so the angel of death will pass over without the killing the firstborn. Life preserved through the shedding of blood and the means of a substitute. You know, 50 days later after that, you know, at Sinai, to ratify the covenant, sacrificial blood was sprinkled on the altar and then on the, the book of the covenant, Exodus 24. And what did the people say? Behold the blood of the covenant. And then they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and we will be obedient. You see, the foundation and power of God's covenant is in sacrificial blood. God has purposed that the blood was central to sinners being brought into fellowship with him. You know, you, we just started a series on Wednesday going through Leviticus and all the instructions of how God was to be approached and worshipped. Offerings and access required the shedding of blood. The very holy of holies was unapproachable without blood for the high priest. Once a year, he would enter that sacred place and he would walk backwards, sprinkling blood behind him, and then on the altar seven times. And he was required to do that before he could finally turn to face the holy God of Israel who dwelt in the Shekinah cloud above the mercy seat, and then asking him to turn away his wrath from the sins of the people. Israel could not worship God without blood. And all of this, all of it, was pointing forward to the greater sacrifice to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever you look in the Old Testament, the way of life, the way of fellowship with God was through the shedding of blood, the provision of a substitute, all laying in place, the coming of Jesus Christ. And then that moment, the appointed time. You know, can you imagine when John sees Jesus and he cries out, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the one promised, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus spoke of himself, he was clear that he came to die on the cross, to shed his own blood, to be the atoning sacrifice for his people, the substitute, salvation, undeniably linked to the shedding of his own blood. You know, the expression blood of Christ is not intended to mean something crass or crude, but it serves as a synonym for the gospel, for redemption, for the salvation of sinners. The blood of Jesus is a synonym for his, his suffering and obedience that satisfied the justice of God so that he could justify those who believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus repeatedly taught that his blood must be believingly and experientially received if we are to be saved. He said, except you drink my blood, you have no life in you. He that drinks my blood has everlasting life. You know, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood that is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Drink you all of it. And the Lord Jesus was confirming and fulfilling all the, the teachings, all the types, all the, the shadows of the Old Testament and showing that we can live only through his death, trusting in his sacrifice as our substitute, and that his blood cleanses us from all sin. 
And you know, that's the theme throughout the Scriptures, throughout the rest of the New Testament. You think of the letters of Paul, you know, being justified by his blood, he writes. Faith in his blood, the blood of his cross, redemption through his blood, brought near by the blood. You know, you go on Hebrews, glorious letter, full of explanation about the the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 9.12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You know, John declares in his first letter, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And then in that remarkable vision in that final book, Revelation, you see it. It is the very song of heaven. Revelation 5, 9, you are worthy for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And what about the redeemed? How are they described in Revelation 7? Those who washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You know, even says in Revelation 12 that the redeemed overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. From the beginning in Genesis all the way through, blood runs through. The blood of a substitute, the blood of Christ. The one alone who can reconcile sinners to God. And you know, we lose that, we'll lose everything. You lose the message. So I recently heard of a church in Germany and there's a particular church building where there is a beautiful lamb that is carved in stone above the entrance. And uh, the story behind that stone is quite a remarkable one. A man was working on the the steeple of the church and he at one point lost his footing and he plunged the ground below. And a flock of sheep happened to be grazing there and the fall of the man was broken by a lamb. And the lamb was killed, but the man's life was saved. And out of gratitude, he cut into the stone over the doors of the church the lamb that saved his life. You know, we are sinners, and we are plunging to death in eternal punishment. But if we are brought to believe in the Lord Jesus, we are saved from sin and death and hell by God's lamb. The perfect one who is without blemish or without spot, who stands in our place. He rescues us from danger by interposing his own precious blood. You see, that is the beauty of the gospel. You know, and we need a savior. And I ask you this morning, very simply and clearly, are you resting in Christ's atoning blood for salvation? Do you believe that God's justice is satisfied only by means of that blood? You know, do you realize that all peace, all holiness, all hope of heaven are bound up in the atoning blood of Emmanuel? Or do you not realize that actually there is no acceptance for the sinner? There is no cleansing. There is no pardon. There is no reconciliation without Christ. You know, if you're here this morning, you're without Christ. Oh, how I pray that, you know, you would you would know that work of God in your life, that you would be shown your sin and your need of the Savior. And ask the Lord to show you and to, to help you understand and to trust him to see your need to be saved by the, the precious blood of the Savior. This gospel is a gospel which has the shedding of blood as central, the shedding of the precious blood of Jesus. 
And so we need to see the centrality, but we also need to see the cost of Christ's blood. You know, though salvation is free to us, all of sovereign grace, we must never forget the costliness to God. It costs the Father the death of his own beloved Son. It costs the Son suffering and death. It costs the Spirit, the constant work of applying the blood of the Son to sinners. You know, God had only one Son and he gave that Son for people who rebelled against him. He gave the best he had for the worst that could be found. And what a price paid for our deliverance. And you know, when you you think of the unspeakable suffering and the, the pouring out of the blood of Jesus, you know, I want to highlight three places where we see specifically this unspeakable suffering which our Savior endured, experiencing the essence of hell. And the first place is Gethsemane. You know, Christ's blood exuded from the pores of his skin as he was bowed, crying out, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me in Matthew 26. You know, torn by the grief of disappointment, of abandonment by his friends, beginning to experience the horror of sin and God's wrath against sin, the death he began to taste was God's unmitigated hatred of our sins, dear believers. You know, our sin sank Christ to the ground. Our sin made him cry in agony. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Our sin spilled his blood in Gethsemane. And then Gabbatha. The blood was shed as Christ's enemy crowned him with thorns. As they rammed them onto his very head. The thorns so sharp and gruesome and a crown of these smashed down into our dear Saviour's skull and blood must have poured down from the top of his head. These thorns, the price of our sin. And then the soldiers fixing the Lord Jesus to a post and scourging him and hitting him as as many as 40 times with a whip with, with oxtail bones fixed to each strand and they would catch his flesh and leave deep wounds on his back and bleeding from his head and his back. The Lord Jesus then had to carry his cross to Golgotha. All because of our sin. Gethsemane, Gabbatha, Golgotha. The Lord Jesus nailed to a cross. Nails in his hands and his feet. And the cross lifted and put into the ground and the pain would be utterly horrific as the cross shuddered and sunk into the ground. And pain screaming through his body as more flesh tears and blood is shed. And he would then hang there for six long hours. And after three hours of unspeakable pain and shame and suffering, the Father made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Savior experienced heinous suffering beyond the, the physical in those, those hours of his life. He felt the agony of abandonment with the cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the darkness of Calvary, when he knew only rejection, the Lord Jesus suffered and he bled alone, pouring out himself to death. He bore our sin and he suffered the full extent of hell. And how his precious blood ought to teach us to hate sin and never to trivialize grace because it is free. And we must remember what our sin, what our rebellion cost the Lord Jesus. You know, he had no comfort at Golgotha. 
You know, when he needed most encouragement at that place, no voice from heaven cried out, this is my beloved son. No dove descended, no angel strengthened him. He hung and he bled and he suffered alone in the full fury of the father's wrath. And even his earthly helpers, even the women who had supported him through his ministry, you know, they were not, couldn't help him. The disciples were scattered. He walked through that darkness alone. And instead of love, there was wrath. Instead of affection, there was coldness. Instead of support, there was opposition. Alone, deserted, forsaken. And every detail of this abandonment shouts to us, this is what God thinks of our sin. Jesus' suffering at Golgotha is the essence of what God thinks of sin. And what a costly price is the shedding of his precious blood. And consider the value of Christ's precious blood. It does what no one else's blood could do. Not the blood of believers or animals or angels. Only the blood of Christ could offer satisfaction for sin. His precious blood is intrinsically valuable. The divine son suffered as perfect man shedding his blood, which is of infinite value. The one in whom dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, the perfect image of the father, the only begotten son. His blood is precious. And it is precious in the father's eternal plan as the father views the salvation of his elect as fully and forever secured by that blood. That blood is precious to the Father. It is precious to every pardoned sinner upon earth. It is precious to every glorified soul before the throne. The blood of Christ is precious. And it is precious because it's the blood of our great high priest, our shepherd, our friend, our elder brother, our kinsman, our redeemer, in whom all salvation is to be found. There is nothing more precious in this world than the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what we have been redeemed by if we are in him. And you say, well, well, what did it accomplish? What did it accomplish for us? You know, we, we've seen the centrality of the blood and the, the cost of the blood, but what does it bring to us? What does it accomplish? Well, the blood of Christ is precious and not least because of these remarkable blessings that it has secured for us. Let me just give you a few. You know, full redemption. Full redemption. Peter says that the blood is precious because we are redeemed by it. It redeems us. It pays the ransom price. It buys us back from the grip of sin and the enemy. We are redeemed not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood. Now, what are we redeemed from well, we are redeemed, we are set free from the, the slavery of sin. You know, we are set at liberty to worship and, and serve God. We are free from the spiritual condemnation and the bondage that we were in. As we considered last Lord's Day morning, we have the, the spirit of adoption where we can cry, Abba, Father, we are adopted into the very family of God. We are set free from slavery and we are made heirs and joint heirs with Christ. You know, we're redeemed and set free from the curse of the law. You know, by his precious blood, Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made cursed for us. By his blood, we are freed from the penalty and the thundering of the law. You know, we are also redeemed from the enslaving power of Satan. 
You know, by his blood and his death, Christ destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And we are redeemed, we are set free from the bondage of everlasting death. By Christ's blood, we who are believers are set free from the chains that bind us to future eternal everlasting punishment. And death loses its sting and becomes a passageway to life eternal. You know, this redemption, this great work is a magnificent exhibition of divine glory. And by my means of the blood of Christ, God glorifies his holy attributes by saving sinners like you and me. And sin is dealt with, it is pardoned, it's not just bypassed or swept under the carpet. Christ has paid the price. And justice is magnified and iniquity is punished and mercy and love, they triumph in harmony with righteousness. And God proves that he is unquestionably just. And the one who lavishes love upon those who do not deserve it. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sin. According to the riches of his grace. It's glorious. Full redemption. Complete atonement. You know by Christ's blood we are brought back to God. We are made at one with him. We are reconciled. And this perfect atonement. It deals with all our sins. The perfect sacrifice, the, the fulfillment of all the old covenant sacrifices and offerings. It deals with it, fulfills. And you know, the perfect atonement deals with all our sin, and the perfect atonement deals with all kinds of sinners. And that is wonderful news. You know, Paul says that even chief sinners are delivered. Christ was once offered. To bear the sins of many, the propitiation for our sins. Isaiah 53, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. You know, no sinner is too old, too hard, too sinful to find entrance into heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you think there's no pardon for you. Maybe you've come this morning and you know your own heart. And you think, well, I'm beyond saving. God couldn't deal with me. You're not. The blood of Christ can avail for you. And here is saving grace, and it's sovereign, and it's free. And you can turn from everything else, all your sin, all your earthly foundations and hopes. Turn from everything and turn to him. And he can save you. And his blood can make the fowls clean. And you look to him even with the weakest, simplest eye of faith. And it will speak pardon and peace and hope and joy to your soul. You know, the blood of Christ saves even chief sinners like me. And maybe like you. And also we have justification and cleansing. Romans 5, 9. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, God makes the unjust just through the blood of Jesus. Christ literally died in our place, believers. You know, we are justified through his active obedience to the law and his passive obedience in paying for our sin. And when we receive this gospel by faith, God regards us as without sin 
He regards us in Christ. He sees the perfection and the righteousness of his son. And Christ's blood is precious because in all of that, in that justification, that reconciliation, being right with God, unspeakable peace flows out of our justification in Christ. We, we experience peace with God and peace with Christ and peace with the Holy Spirit and, and peace with those around us and peace that passes understanding. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you're experiencing some inner turmoil in your life. Maybe it's unknown, even unsuspected by those who are sat right next to you. Maybe it's the conviction of sin. You know, on the service you seem fine, but inside you're churning up. You feel yourself to be a sinner, even the very chief, and your heart is heavy and, you know, you're, you're angry with yourself for letting sin gain a foothold and it grieves you and, and you feel you're so unworthy and so undeserving and deserving of condemnation and you're restless. And where can you find peace? The precious blood of Christ. You know, when you're brought underneath that healing stream which flows from Calvary, the peace you can know flows into your soul. That even from the depths you can be lifted. You know, and even as believers, when we go through those deep valleys and you know, at times we feel overwhelmed when we're brought again to see the wonders of what we have in Christ and, you know, the, 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 the overflow of his saving work, we can be at peace because we know that in Christ we are safe. We are right with God. And John says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Christ washes out the stain of sin. Instead of defiling our souls, it washes them as white as snow. And you know, those of us this morning who have felt that cleansing power, you know, you, you know what I mean. There was times when we, we felt as, as black as the outer darkness, as it were, but in the moment that the blood of Christ was applied to us, you know, we felt washed. We're clean in Christ and accepted in divine pardon. It purges us of all the stains of accumulated years. In all our sin, past, present, future, dealt with. And though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And this sacrifice has power to deliver and power to atone and can cleanse us. And just one drop, as it were, of this precious blood spiritually can in a moment dissolve the, the heavy burden and fill the soul with joy and peace in believing. You know, that's why there exists not one stain of human sin or guilt that the atoning blood of Jesus cannot utterly and forever deal with. Again, maybe as you're here this morning and you think on your life and on your sin and on your mistakes and you know, sometimes the enemy is very good at bringing to mind those things and accusing us and throwing all these things at us. can drive us to despair. I can never be good enough. I, I don't deserve to be saved and so on. And you're right. But that's the glory of the gospel. God has provided a way in which you can be delivered and saved and your sin washed away and you can be made new in Christ whilst we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The gospel doesn't say you've got to clean up your act first. It says you come just as you are and you come and you wash in this cleansing fountain. Whilst we were still sinners, he shed his blood. 
we were far off, but the blood of Christ brings us near. And then also the sanctification that comes. You know, through the, the process of sanctification, we are made holy to serve God. And Christ's blood calls us to separate from the world's sin and the world's religion and the, the world's sense of goodness and the world's violence. Separation from the world. It's a key element of what it means to follow the Lord. And the more we rely on Christ's blood, the more we will be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know, nothing can melt the soul like the blood of Christ. Nothing is so humbling as that he loved me and he gave himself for me. Our souls melt by the Spirit's application of the blood of Christ, you know. And, and there are times, aren't there, where we, we complain that our hearts are hard and we're so quick to forget that nothing can melt them like the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, a, a quote from the hymn which says, Law and terrors do but harden all the while they work alone, but a sense of blood-bought pardon soon dissolves a heart of stone. The blood of Christ, the sanctifying power of the blood, and also the power of the blood to persevere and to keep us. The blood of Jesus nourishes our faith. It offers us hope. It makes us sing. You know, there's no cordial for the heart like the blood of Christ to meditate on the atoning sacrifice that's the path to comfort. His blood confirms and assures us the finished work of Christ, and it grants us to overcome. Now, as I said earlier, Revelation 12, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. And those who cling to the blood of Jesus have a weapon that makes hell tremble. You know, it's remarkable. Sin dies at the presence of the blood of Christ. Doubts and fears fly. Heaven opens its gates by that blood. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us by giving his own blood. And there's no victory without conflict, but there is true victory through faith in the blood of the Lamb. And it's when we look away from the blood of Christ. You know, when we get distracted and when we come away to all these other things and, and trivial things, that's when we find ourselves in darkness. We need to keep our eyes fixed in the right place. And heaven is open to us by the blood of Christ. We are made fit for heaven. We, we learn to delight in his fellowship and through him to delight in fellowship with the saints. Christ's blood binds the people of God together as we go on our heavenly, uh, the path to the heavenly home. And Christ is our entrance into heaven. You know, that part of the heavenly choir, you know, as we will be there by grace unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Oh, do you see how ridiculous and appalling it is when there are those who try to remove the blood from Christianity? There's nothing left. Christ's blood is our passport to worship and service and fellowship in the glorious city to come where there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more night, no more death, no more curse, and best of all, no more sin. Redeemed from every infirmity by the blood of Christ, we will rejoice in singing the praises of the Lamb. I will not gaze on glory, but on my King of grace, the Lamb 
is all the glory of Emmanuel's lamb. Friend, do you realize how precious this blood is? Are you washed in this blood? Are you clinging to the sacrifice of the Savior? The, the Savior is able to save to the uttermost. The precious blood is all-powerful. It doesn't fail to release all whom Christ intends it to release. His blood wasn't a deposit. It wasn't part of the ransom. doesn't leave the sinner to pay the balance. No, he paid it in full. And he always gets what he paid for. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so, you know, if you are looking to this this morning, if you are trusting in it, you know, you can know that you are safe in his hand, that you have been saved and delivered. And this precious blood is all powerful. And it is also motivated by love. You think Christ's blood is precious, not only because it's worth so much, but also because he loves much, we love him. But because he loved us and he's precious to us. And the challenge is if we're believers this morning, let us stop living below our privileges in the blood of Christ. Let's stop hugging the chains of sin. The Lord of glory toiled and bled and died to break those chains so that we could know the powerful freedom of being sons and daughters in Christ. You know, and no sin is worse than despising the blood of Christ. And may I say this to you this morning, just as we close. If you do not know Jesus, if you reject this gospel, you are despising his sacrificial blood. And you are missing the, the true purpose and meaning of life that is only found in him. Again, there's a well-known illustration. There was a shepherd boy who brought his sheep to a, a cave one evening because there was a terrible storm. And uh, the next morning he saw that the, the central viaduct of a certain bridge had been washed away by the storm. And knowing the areas he did and knowing that a train was on its way and was coming, the, the boy fought his way through all of the bushes and everything around this track. And bruised and breathless, he... He reached it just in time and he, he tried to wave down the train and uh, he tried to, to shout that the, the bridge was, was broken, that there was going to be a terrible disaster to, to stop. And the conductor and the driver there in the front, they, they waved the boy away and the train kept going. And what could the boy do to prevent disaster? He could only think of one thing. He threw himself onto the track. And the conductor hit the brakes just in time to keep the train from falling into the abyss. But the boy's life was lost. And as the passengers began to depart the train, there was heartbreak to see the ruined and the body of this dear shepherd boy. And one passenger broke the silence and he said, that boy died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. He saved our lives. Friends, Jesus Christ, even on a greater, greater level, willingly throws himself across the tracks of sinners' lives and by the sacrifice of himself delivers them from eternal disaster. You know, that's the gospel. And I would say to you this morning, why do you wave away his loving warnings? 
Why do you reject the only gospel that will save you? Will you rush over a crucified Jesus and once more deny his precious blood? You know, I don't know all of you well. I don't know the enormity of your sins. But I do know that you may still be saved by the precious blood of Jesus. And so cast all your sin upon him. Cast all of it upon him and believe in him. And surrender to him as as Lord and Savior. Believe that our precious Savior gave himself, shed his own blood for sinners like you and me to be saved. And if you trust in him like that, he will save you. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for those who have been washed, this blood is precious. Precious, and it will be the song of all eternity, the Lamb of God who was slain for us. All praise be to his name. Amen.